If you haven't signed up for our Discord channel, please do so at MajorDomoMedia.com. If you haven't signed up for or bought any of our Momofuku products, please visit us at shop.momofuku.com. We have a nice discount code on our Discord channel. If you sign up, there's a friends uh, link that will also give you $25 off comma tier and 10% off cook any day uh, microwave bowls. So yeah, sign up. Lots of good content there. Live life a little bit more deliciously. Yeah, let's get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dumb Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Noel is here in studio. We have video cameras looking at us. What do you think about this setup, Noel? This is so crazy. I don't know where I am. I keep looking around. I don't know if I'll be able to focus at all. These are so fancy. So right. fancy. It's much nicer seeing you guys in person, although there's no eye contact here, despite, you know. No, I'm just look- I just look at camera. <laughs> Just, just yeah. get the good angles. I like that we can see your iPad, Dave, as as this entire thing is going. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I, you guys have podcasted together in the flesh, and this is maybe my second time after that very strange, you know, downtown Airbnb we were once at. But mm-hmm. it's feeling good. There's this COVID strain brewing, gaining strength in Asia. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. I'm going to say January 2020, we were sitting in a production office getting ready to shoot a show. And Dave came in like full chicken little, full chicken little, the sky is falling. And was like, we're like, Dave, what do you think about this segment here? Or what if we shot with this or cook this thing? And you were like, none of this is going to happen. Why aren't we preparing for the eventuality that this whole show will be shut down by COVID? And uh, we, you, we literally laughed you out of the room. We literally laughed yeah. the other. It was even earlier than January. It was like December. We're working on a show with Chrissy Teigen that we're now resuming filming. Right, and it was the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, not even the pen beginning. I pre pandemic. This was pre. You're also talking to somebody. I feeling like a little bit like Noah and Noah's Ark. <laughs> Noah of, of Noah's Ark's faith. I, 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 I keep tabs on things that are going to end the world and civilization. Really regular, normal things in the this was crazy history shit, of the universe. Like, right? Somebody had the sniffles in Wuhan and you were like, shut it down. This whole thing's going down. <laughs> I bring this up because you said this new COVID strain, but 
if you're if you're saying and this all everybody came, laughed like, at me until Tom Hanks got COVID and, and like, immediately right oh shit right. Right. and I didn't want to say what's the point what's the only what's the fucking point of being right then right that one time I'm fucking right if if Forrest Gump can get it then we're all dead I mean Brian bring this up because we finally rebooted it but you were saying I'm saying. If you are right now telling me that there's a strain of COVID gathering strength in Asia and that we should shut it down, I'm going to listen to you this time is all I'm saying. All I'm saying is, if that is what you're predicting, hmm. let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> let's put a wrap on this thing. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm on uh, a little worried. <laughs> see, oh, no. I don't want that. That's, see, I hate that. That's um, what I'm nervous about. Because we got a lot of stuff to do. COVID nightmare variant spreading question mark. And I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm just saying like, I'm not a virologist. I'm just saying. <laughs> I hate that. This is my God, least favorite why? thing when somebody says I'm not Sub a variants of a highly but... mutated strain coronavirus called XBB, not XLB. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Transmitted hey. through soup dumplings. So, again, I hope that people have gotten their booster shots. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get another one, even though I got one very recently. <laughs> is this your 10th? I'm a little upset that I've only gotten Pfizer. Your body is 80% RNA I've only boosters. gotten Pfizer. Hmm. I wanted to get all of them. You wanted to collect them all. A real cuvee of vaccines. Hmm. Was the Moderna not available? Yeah. You got the Moderna. Noel? I've gotten a mix. You got to get a, get the mix in. I got the mix because I, I, I told you, Chang, because you were like, where did you get it? Where'd you get it? And I was like, I went down to MAGA country. Took a little sojourn down to MAGA country where appointments are... <laughs> Free and easy. <laughs> well, again, I think everyone should get their flu shot and their vaccine as winter is approaching. I was very sick last round. I don't know what I had. I think it was food poisoning. Um, I feel not fresh as a daisy. I feel like a six-day-old daisy. Six-day-old. That's been uprooted. The Your tummy troubles have subsided? Yeah. I only have two beverages now. In front <laughs> I know. Of me. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Uh, but yeah, we were saying this this being in person is prelude to things to come. Well, uh, before we get there, I don't think anybody thought we'd get here. <laughs> At least of all us. Yeah. Where? What do you mean by that? Where? What? What did? What I mean, people mean? have asked, like, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know, I'm, I'm like, "Why are you in Los Angeles?" I was like, "Well, we were trying to move here beforehand. Really, start doing more media. I still work with Momofugu very closely on all these things, but you know." That's been a long time coming. The goal is to focus on doing media and to do a lot of the consumer product goods that we are developing and have developed for some years. But, you know, I don't think we had an idea that we were going to build a studio when we started this three to four years ago. At that time, Noelle wasn't even part of it. She was still working at Momofuku. And things have changed dramatically. And quickly. <laughs> you know, we were working on a variety of projects with Hulu. Hulu got sold to Disney. Mm-hmm. Many people that we were working with are no longer there. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're working with wonderful people at Hulu and Disney now, but it's just like regime, regime changes. We made how many? We pitched like 50 shows in three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we were contractually obligated to do so, yeah. There was one show that was greenlit by Hulu and by a casino. That was the most remarkable thing that I think I've ever done in my life, to get greenlit Great name, great concept. May, may fingers crossed. We'll still see it someday. Still see it someday. But then the pandemic happened. The day Tom Hanks got sick, mm-hmm. the world ended. 
And along the way, like, I don't think Chris thought he was going to become a podcast host. I don't think Noelle thought she was going to become a podcast personality. We're here. And yeah. now we're in the studio, so it's it's a nice time to sort of reflect because there's a lot of things happening. Well, it's it's not just that. Like, the landscape has also changed so much since we started doing this, since we started focusing on making media. Like, what it means to make media in food. Like, last episode, you talked about TikTok. Like, that was not in our eyeline four years ago, five years ago when we started talking about this stuff. None of this was the same. And so it's 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 clear that it's changing. But I think that even if however many years ago when we started this, we didn't necessarily have in mind like we'd be sitting together in a studio, we'd be working together, like building a space or whatever. We did always have in our minds that we wanted to bet on ourselves and like own what we do as much as we can, as much as possible. And like, we've been working toward that. And I think like, this is a weird transition into a phase that's like scary to bet on yourself, but maybe we should just talk a little bit more specific. We should let Noel talk more specifically about what we're doing because you and I will just garble it and say things we're not supposed to say. Well, you're just sloughing it off on Noel. Yes. (laughs) He's just foisted this onto you. No, I think it's really interesting hearing you guys talk about it that way because I remember when I came on and this was officially on the team. I feel like I was always working on different things with you all. I would hang out whenever I was in town on different projects and I had joined some, some at some point during the pandemic. I, I don't even remember when it was. And I think at that particular moment, the way that everything had kind of gotten pitched to me was, we have our TV deal, we have our podcast deal, and we know we want to do more, but there's a big question mark around that. And what that more encompassed, I, you know, it was everything from product to experiences to digital video. And I think at the time, what was interesting was there was no, everyone had kind of put it on the back burner up until that exact point. It was so clear that you guys wanted to tell more stories. And if there's anything I know, especially of Dave over the last few years that I've worked with him, it's like, there's so many ideas and almost not enough time to do all of this. Or, you know, it's equal parts, not enough time and this like great desire to do everything faster and faster and faster. And so that was super, super interesting. Uh, But I would say, you know, you guys talked about it. A lot of stories have been told. I think a lot of, to your exact point, Chris, like there has been this real kind of question of what are we owning? What does Major Domo Media look like? What does it feel like? How does that translate to the viewer, the listener? And now, you know, I think it's it took so many iterations. I would say even in the last year, we've kind of gone back and forth on in what order do we want all of these things that we've talked about to happen. So can we tell people that where the studio is going to be? <laughs> I, yeah. I think we should start there. So, so this is like, so I've been pushing this for a while. And the difference is one of the th- things I think for everybody that I've been learning to is uh, however I worked before barely felt like it worked. I've always suffered from imposter syndrome. Like, I can't believe anything's working in restaurants. Um, And how I work in restaurants, I could have immediate impact and change something. Like, if something wasn't right, I could change it and have agency immediately. Very different here. I can't have everyone work like they're thinking they're in restaurants. And I've learned that through therapy with my wife about, like, just being in a relationship. I can't fix things like it's in a restaurant. That's my therapist telling me that. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> just FYI, he doesn't. Mm. He's he's still got a ways to go in believing that. But uh, go ahead, because <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> but she gets done. Just so we all know, <laughs> I know that he is not yet there. But yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, because everyone should work in restaurants and learn that things can happen <laughs> at a more rapid be pace. A yeah, and you could fix anything. Go ahead. Um, so like, it's been a hard learning curve for me to be patient and to learn and to wait, right? It's not something I'm accustomed to doing. Working on a project and then having it come out months later or working on a project and being at the sort of the, 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 the someone else's timeline. So like, I wanted us to have some kind of control, right? Where we make the shots, we call the shots, we own all the decision-making. So I've been trying to push for a studio, not knowing that COVID was actually going to end. You know, at the time we made this decision, I was still out in New York um, and I was pushing, pushing, pushing. There was just like no way we were physically going to do it because we were just everywhere. Everything was remote at the time. So now we're here. We have put a lot of our eggs in one basket and this is really where I like to thrive is this place of total fear and uncertainty, fear of an unknown future, right? I, I, I know the difference between me and you guys for sure is like, I have been in this situation of opening something and having no idea what to expect and knowing that whatever we're opening up is going to be very different than any restaurant or even a publication that we've done before, Chris. But in a lot of ways, it's going to be more radically transparent because we're there. It's going to be more instantaneous. And every single company is going to have to create content. I'm sorry. That's just the future. But in order to do that, it goes against the very model that we've been building Major Doma Media to be, which is to make TV on streaming networks, mm-hmm. yeah. which we are doing mm-hmm. and continuing to do, which is a full-time job in and of itself. Pitching TV show ideas, producing TV show ideas. It's yeah. a lot. So let me let me let me set let me scene set a little bit here. I don't know if this is the episode that you and I have been alluding to for now, like eight months, but I think it is. Basically, we are building out a kitchen studio in downtown Los Angeles. At the row. At the row. You may have gathered that we have been eating a lot of Bianco pizza because <laughs> we are there. This is where we'll be building out the thing. We are going to be in constant production, we're going to try to be as open and and transparent about the whole thing as possible. So today we're doing a little bit of peel back the curtain, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about what's ahead. Like Dave said, we're still making TV shows for streamers. We're still going to be doing podcasts, but we want to carve out a lane like Dave said. I mean, I love collaborating with, I love, we love working with Morgan. We love working, making the next thing you eat. We love making all these things, but there is a certain level where it's like, you have to kill your darlings. You have to say, like, I understand why you guys don't trust this idea. I understand why there are millions and millions of dollars at stake if you try to pull off this dumb idea of ours. But we want a little more agency in just saying, like, there's no one to tell us no if we just want to try something dumb. And and I think that that is what the future of what, what this, this episode is really the beginning of is, like, we are having a, a very heated and in-depth conversation in the last couple of days about where we're headed. And I think, Dave, it was your call to just be like, Let's just have this out in front of everybody then. Because yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's just easier. So let me ask you this. You said fear of the unknown, but... I am terrified. More specifically, tell me this. But you and Noel too. I want to hear mm-hmm. everybody. Let's, let's. Can we start with this? What's your biggest, most specific fear about what we're about to embark upon? 
Well, there's been a dramatic amount of change in my life, right? And there's some things I can talk about, some things I can't. So as much as I want to be transparent, it's usually because it's partners involved. But I think people can infer. The pandemic has a lot to do with it. But also me being a father of two and being out of New York for, for right now, I don't want to travel and I don't want to work the way I used to. And the people that were my brothers and sisters in terms of how we worked, a lot of people are doing different things. Private chefing, like the people that are my, my, you know, it's just the, my understanding of the world changed a little bit in terms of what I wanted to do. That was already happening in set instant before the pandemic even began, Right. When we started Major Dome Media, um, stepping down from a lot of ways of Momofuku, of travel. One of the things about Ugly Delicious that people don't know how hard it was. It's so much fucking work. Chris got to see season two. It's a lot of fucking work. It's a tremendous amount of work. And I don't have that time anymore. And I made a, like, a sworn oath to my wife and to my unborn child at the time that I was going to be more present and to make some changes. Do I miss the thrill of doing restaurants? Yes. doesn't mean that we're not. It doesn't mean I'm out. I'm still doing it, but like I'm still struggling with what that means and how I do that when I'm not doing it day to day. And a lot of that sort of tactile thing I need is coming from you guys. So I wanted to make some changes and I didn't want to travel as much as I did. I think the death of Tony really sort of cemented that to me as well. And have a little bit more agency in what we were going to do. So the idea was percolating for some time. Like, how do we do this? So the move from food to this is not easy. Number one. Two is like, while that, like, and I am a control freak in a lot of ways, but thank God we have a team at Momofuku that's doing it. But I'm still like tied to it. I still care about it. But I, I mean, like, you know, so that's hard. And now, it was like, okay, how do we take a bigger bet on ourselves, right? I, I want to have more power, not power as in like juice, but like power of, like, of, of, of choice mm-hmm. of what we want to do. Also to build a business where people can get paid and make money. Um, and that's always a fear for everybody. And people think that like, oh yeah, you have this, you have that. Even people on Discord think we have personal chefs <laughs> and private shoppers like none of that is true so part of it is like okay we have to build a business and it's the same sort of mindset that i had with restaurants we have to build a business that is sustainable that is going to always do two things give creative freedom and an outlet where people can express themselves two can provide financially so people don't need to want for anything in order to do that we can't just be a client service business, right? Unless you make a show like The Voice or America's Got Talent or basically anything Simon Cowell's ever fucking done, it's really hard to do it. And all the money in TV is made in scripted television. Yeah. You know, and, and while we've had some opportunities, like that's not our bag. Maybe not yet, but I'm watching Masterclass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I really want to do is direct. Um, I'm friends with a lot of directors. And if I, like Eddie Huang learned how to direct and he's on a good job, right, I can stay, do it. Stay, 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 okay, stay on track. Anyway, so it's like, I, I've been really working on like, how do we do this? And I think there was a lot of resistance at first of me 
being insistent that we have a studio. We build a studio. We do everything ourselves. I know there was a lot of resistance because it's like, oh, let's hope Dave never bring this up again. That type of shit. Hmm. Is that true? Okay. I, mm, mm, mm. Yes and no, I think. I think that there's some part of that that is true at that specific time, but I think that it had everything. I, I genuinely mean this. I think it had everything to do with the spaces that we were looking at. Uh, I remember when Chris Chen and I were looking at different studio spaces, and I couldn't see it. That Pure and simple, you couldn't see it. You couldn't feel it. You knew that this would be, that we would have a space to create content. I, I think we all kind of agreed that we were going to do some version of this. And it made sense for us to own that space. But I think that in a very funny way, I almost think that this idea, at least for me personally, didn't crystallize until we actually found our partner with the row and like actually yeah. decided that we were going in there. I think what you were, I think you were right and you were wrong. I think, I think from the minute we started talking about have a, having a studio, like that's my dream. Like I want, I want Rob Deerdeck's fun factory. Just like we can do anything we want. We can put out any content we want. That's my life's dream. Like I want to be able to, I want that. I really, really genuinely want that. I think you were wrong if you think we didn't want that. I think where you were dead right was we were moving so slow. It takes money and it takes effort and it takes time to do what you wanted to do. And I think that genuinely, like we were in the middle of a pandemic. We had a parachute, not a parachute. We had a, a, a safety net of a long-term deal with Hulu that was going to keep our lights on. We were getting into a rhythm of making this podcast remotely. And I think the notion of shaking that all up and saying, whatever money we have in the bank right now, like this is what you said. You said like, how, what, how long of a runway do we have if the spigot turned off tomorrow? And I think that it was a real grasshopper in the ants scenario <laughs> where it was like, Tomorrow. I was already moving past it. Yeah, right? and you were again, people are saying like, I have a sense of uh, not just urgency but deprivation. Even in abundance, it's gone. It doesn't exist, and that's where I was at. I was like, we need to move past this and, ex and almost imagine none of this happens. And it wasn't the spigot was turned off. It's like this has always been who I have been, right? Sure. Unfortunately for those around me, right? Because it's a it's a moving target, but it's also what's given our restaurants a pulse. Is that like next, next, next? And it wasn't, it wasn't what was, it, we could still do that. But in the beginning of this episode, I talked about that COVID thing when you came in in December, 2019. It's the same shit, man. It's the same thing where you were like, what's next is more important than what is present. And for all of us, it was like, what's present is everything. And you were trying to say like, I'm telling you, this is going to stop right? It's a, it's a certainty. Maybe it wasn't as clear of a certainty. Maybe they're probably the exact same level of probability. But I, I mean, that's where I give you credit. I give you credit at the top of this. I'm just saying like... I, I, that's where I have... Um, it's like colorblindness for me, emotional colorblindness in a little bit. Like I can't... Literally, I feel so bad for Grace because I can't enjoy... I have never been able to enjoy anything like when it's supposed to be enjoyed. I literally was walking to work today and had that exact thought about you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I've known you a long, long time. And yeah. I was like, I wasn't saying this in a way that was like, I was angry at you about it or frustrated with you about it. I was thinking about it more from like concern as your friend where I'm just like, I'm afraid that Chang one day is going to be like, fuck, 
why didn't I stop for one second? Yeah. Why didn't I stop before we decided to like bet on ourselves? Why didn't I stop and say, fuck it, let's just be a client services company and just like make branded content for the rest of our lives? Because I can't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't fucking like, I, it has to, it, I just can't. And are you afraid? So what I, my original question was like, are you, what are you afraid of? Like, are you afraid? You're getting into it again, man. You are a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> are you afraid that you might regret like going big no, again? No. I have a lot of fears. And, and you know, I want to go back to that sort of comment that Dave on our Discord has about private chefing. And he was talking about middle income and people faking that they're middle class when they're not. I'm not middle class. By all intents and purposes, I'm wealthy now. But my insecurity is the same. Sure. That doesn't left me. Like, and it's become pathological. I think a lot of that is deep-seated in my my family and my father and how he was raised, how sure. I was raised. But also just running Momofuku from the get-go when we had nothing to fight tooth and nail into like, next problem, next problem, next well, problem, COVID next problem. Well, COVID only confirmed your belief, right? <laughs> COVID yeah. only confirmed it. Because yeah. you can have, one, you can have, I will say, the best restaurant group in America and it can... Yeah. Be gone the next day, almost gone for the next day. Like, so, uh, yeah, it's hard. And that's one of my great regrets is I never genuinely appreciate it. It's the same conversation I have with other chefs, you know, uh, when I tell them, like, dude, you got to try to enjoy it, knowing full well that I never did. That's one of my great regrets. But it's not that I don't have a fun time. It's not because I don't enjoy certain things. You know that I can and I do. But it's something else that I can't really articulate because it's a sense of fear that it's all going to disappear or because we weren't doing our homework, because we weren't thoughtful, it is grasshopper and the ant, right? Because we weren't weirdly present, we're going to miss our window when the music stops. Well, you have the mentality of our parents, which is... Grace calls it deprivation you know, yeah, and, and you it's have like, the mentality of our parents who were like, the point of my life is to sacrifice for the next generation. That's the, the, the end, be all end all of my life is not to achieve for my own happiness, but is to prepare for the inevitability of the next generation. And I'm not even just talking about Hugo. I'm just talking about like an amorphous next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what you're prepared for. Yeah. I, I mean, like, listen, this is years of therapy. What is problematic for me is that when I don't have confidence in what I am doing and we're still pushing it into this amorphous thing, right? And then everyone else around me gets negatively impacted potentially, or because I'm trying to move the goalpost a little bit, lives get disrupted. Chris Ying moves from the Bay or to here. Like these are things that I put more onto myself. And it's more of a, it's a catch 22 or a chicken and the egg type of situation here because it's like, okay, it's not on just me, but it's something that I feel very much so. And nobody's harder on me than me. So there are moments for those that are around me where things can seem like it's working really well, but I'm connecting the dots and it's not. It's actually the polar opposite because I'm seeing things that maybe you guys or people around me, even my wife may not be thinking about, but my paranoia is so real. And a lot of this is sort of the bipolar, but it's not. It's so fucking real. It's like, I see dead people and you guys don't. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So I don't know how to express that because I'm like, okay, now 
I can't focus on this because whatever sense of joy you guys are happening, whatever things I can provide even my own children, they can go away too. And it's that impermanence that is just a immutable law of life Mm -hmm. that I am always in perpetual fear of. And I, my goal is to make sure that it's not fear and it can generate a different kind of gravity, but I'm fully aware, like it's hard for anyone else to understand. I would say you and I had this conversation in a, in a crazy context that I, we can't really get into, but it was, uh, earlier this year, last summer or something like that. But I think the difference is actually not that we, we don't see the dead people everywhere. Like I see fear and danger in every single thing. And I want to like dig deeper into like those specific fears. Your thing that I'm trying to learn from a little bit is that addressing them, however crazy the fear might be, however remote the possibility of that fear coming to fruition might be looking at it dead in the eye and exploring every negative possibility is far more comforting than trying to not see, pretend like you don't see the dead bodies. Like, hmm. I, you and I were together. I got a text message, and it was a scary text message. Mm-hmm. And my first inclination was like, literally just throw my fucking phone in the trash can and never look at it again. Yeah. You forced me to spend the next seven hours of our day exploring every possible negative outcome that might spring from this thing. And I'll, I'll be honest, it was fucking exhausting, dude. Like, I did not enjoy doing that with you. I don't like, I did not like doing that. But at the end of the day, you and I talked it out and we like arrived at what we decided was like the inevitable truth about it. And we turned out to be like close to right. And the, the, the fact is I slept okay that night. And I think that if I, if we hadn't done that, I don't think I would have. That's what I'm trying to learn from you is not that I don't see the dead bodies. I see them everywhere, Chang, but I'm just like, I don't see you. I don't see you. I don't see you. And I don't see you. Like, I'm not, I'm, that's, that's the difference. You know, that's, that's a real difference that I'm trying to learn from. And that's, that's where I am internally guilty. I feel guilty because how I think negatively impacts people because it takes them out of their happiness, out of their comfort. I know that. And that fucking sucks. But it's also your form of caring. Like, if you didn't care about me, you would be like, yeah, whatever. Throw your phone away. Who gives a shit? Let's go get drunk. Which also ultimately puts more responsibility on me. And again, this is something that I'm sure I've picked up from my own father, right? Like, how do you do this where people are taken care of, right? And one of the things about the hospitality business is you're always in it for other people. I don't give a fuck what anyone else says. At the heart of it, even though I said it's about being funny and making good food, like to be successful at it long term, you're in it for other people. And it's also just a vibe, right? I was explaining this, Grace, last night because we had another, I'm having a hard time understanding what you're so afraid of, David. And I can't explain it because when my dad loaned me the money to open up Momofuku, I didn't have a relationship with him at all to the moment he said, oh, you, you, I, he walked in to see my cockroach infested apartment with no light with a futon that was already there that I was using. It looked like a, a like a heroin den. And he's like, oh, you're willing to live here to do this? He's like, that's the moment I knew you were successful. And that's when, honestly, I could have a chat with him. And I thought about that for the longest time. But also, like, that's just hyperbolic fucking storytelling he's telling himself. 
But in a lot of ways for him, that insignificant thing of him knowing that I was fully committed was a vibe, hmm. right? Was a vibe. Right. It was also no different than the story tells me about cleaning the back of a toilet. It doesn't matter if the back of the toilet's clean or not, but it's a vibe. It's a mentality. And for me, it was like, I see that in everything, right? And it's like, I, I'm working off things that may not make sense to anybody else because it feels like that's a relatively insignificant thing. You know, it's like, if you enjoy it too much, you're going to lose it all. Sure. And that also is a little bit too much. But for me, it was just a transactional thing of like, okay, what I would like to hear, you know, versus what she was thinking was, hey, I'll stop spending here, here, and here so we can do this. You know, all I wanted was like, I'm with you. My own wife, who I know is with me and loves me, my crazy ass. I just needed to see and hear like, okay, I'm going to, we're going to sacrifice here, here, and here so we can do this. It's so contradictory and inconsistent. But for me, that means like we're in it. You know what I mean? It has no bearing on anything. It actually is so insignificant that it's not going to result into anything long-term. But for me, the best way I can describe it is it's like a vibe, right? It's like, okay, somehow this is like some kind of Ouija board that tells me that how things are going to go. And like part of our conversation last night was like for her to say like, I'm on your team. And I'm also simultaneously completely aware of everything that she's saying and on her side. It was still, after we've had so many of these conversations, still impossible for her to understand my perspective. Yeah, to bring it back to Tom Hanks, this is like in a league of their own when they're about to play the final game and Tom Hanks is standing at the top of the dugout and Gina Davis like makes a joke and he can just sense that the morale of the team is up and he just look and he's, do you remember this team? He's just like, oh, yeah. we're going to win. <laughs> it's not because he saw somebody throw a ball really hard or hit a ball really far or do something spectacular athletically. He was just like, oh, I've got the sense of team unity just based on this joke that we just had. We're going to win. That's what you're talking about. It's like, what's, what signs point to yeah. we are the team we want to be? And it's a sign. It's like building confidence. It's, I'm a big zeitgeist guy, you know? And like, I collect those things. And that's what I don't think people see. Sometimes me and my own wife, like if I can get enough of those things that are relatively insignificant, then that plants one like, atom of the DNA we want in the culture. Let's, let's ground this a little bit. Noelle, oh. what, is the, what dead body do you see as we embark on building out this studio? What's the dead body that is haunting your visions? Oh my God. Um, I think people think that we're a ginormous team, that we're cranking out like very hyper-specific, extremely, you know, everything is calculated Everything has a, a purpose and a meaning, and it does to an extent, but I also think that, you know, there's a part of me that also recognizes, like, you know, today we planned on doing this podcast, and that was that. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that other podcasts are well-prepared weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. <laughs> and, are you and afraid This is a that... microcosm of, of the greater whole, which is just to say, we have big plans. And I think that they're going to be, on the one hand, I think that they're going to be great. On the other hand, I'm nervous that people expect something different. And what that different means is actually 
it, it's amorphous in a lot of ways. It's just, I have a target, you have a target, Dave has a target that we're all trying to hit. But does that target look the same to someone else? The only way I know how to get everyone on the same page here is to make sure we're fully naked and embarrassed together, right? And that's where I'm pushing. And I mean that by like the metaphorical, like, of okay, like, thank God. <laughs> in the sense of like, you know, Jerry talks about that you're just dancing naked in front of everybody. Yeah, like, yeah. Then everyone can see because all the bullshit's gone. And I do know that have, some people having started a business, myself, mostly more than just about anybody else that I know, many rational, logical things can derail change. And people have that fear. My fear is completely different than maybe yours. My fear isn't that it's going to be bad because I expect it to be bad. My fear is that we won't have the chance to get better at it. Mm -hmm. mm. My fear is that we don't have the grit to evolve, to be transparent enough, to be honest enough, to be fully out there enough. Again, this is where I think in restaurant speak, where Magnus Nils and I would talk about it all the time whenever we were in the same towns. Like, we just want to go to a restaurant where we can feel the fucking love. I want to go to a restaurant where I can feel the pulse, where there's a fucking energy, there's a vibe, there's no bullshit. This is where I need to fucking be. Energy. I don't know why, but I got to be there. I got to eat there. I got to see this. I got to watch this music. That, that is life for me in a lot of ways, right? How, that is a miracle. Over some absurd cultural thing, people are, 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 are like together. So like, that's my fear, is that we give something that isn't real. My fear is that it is fucking a derivative of everything else that's out there. And I'm not saying what we're going to do is original to anyone else, but if all of us, there's really only like five or six of us, is fully invested in being us, our imperfect selves, in the content that we're going to make over time, that is going to be original enough. Because the, the, the thing that separates most people, I think, in this movement towards transparency, because that's where everything is fucking headed, is are you going to be a wallflower or are you going to ask that person out for a dance? It has always been that. And that's my fear is that we will do it, but we will do it as an imitation of everything else that's out there. And for me, that's like legitimate suicide. That's not to say that we won't be contradictory, but the goal is so we're not to find your voice, right? That is so unique and different. That, that's, that's an amazing thing. I mean, it's legitimately why when we talk about Bianco Pizza, I think it's fucking unreal what he does. Same ingredients as everyone else, but it's not. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, my fears have to do with how I cannot, I like, I love an idea. I love every idea I've ever come up with. <laughs> I love 98% of the ideas Dave's ever come up with. I don't know how to say no. I like to make everything. I don't know how to kill my darlings, even though that's my favorite phrase. I'm afraid, but that's not like, my fear is not that, my, my fear is that we're ambitious and I want to do all of it. My fear is that like, I have led my family down like a very slippery road. I'm very, very, very afraid that I did not step back and look at my life as a whole 
when I was like, we have to do this. I have to go to LA and I have to build this. I did not, I, I had this conversation with myself. I, I worried that when I turn 85 years old, I'll look back at my life and say like, what were the important things? The important things were your family, being there with your family, being near your family, being near my wife's parents, being with our community and our friends. And I was blinded by like youth and decided to put all of that on the back burner. I uprooted my family in like a pretty serious way to come down here. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like the adjustment has not been easy. And I'm afraid that the guilt that I feel about that is going to make it harder for me to give everything to the company that I need to give. I'm like, I'm talking, I'm talking to my, my coworkers and my partners here. And I'm like being honest, like my fear is that, you know, I'm already missing shit. I'm missing first girl scout things and preschool visits and things like that. And I'm worried that like the guilt of it, because we know like the other thing that we haven't said is like, the work, ha- the work hasn't even started. The work yet. <laughs> hasn't even started yet. And it's about to get fucking real. And I'm just being honest with you guys about my fear is that like. But you've always had these fears, Chris. I've known you a long time. I know. But Chris, I, just, I love you. But you are for good reason because you're smart. You don't want to take unnecessary risks. And you are holding yourself to a standard that you don't want to hold yourself to because you took a chance on something. But I'll be honest with you. You knew you had no fucking choice. I know. That you I have, know. There was no other way. That's a responsibility that I'm aware of, that Wells aware of, Doc and Chen, we are aware of. I specifically am very hyper aware, which ties it into the semi-argument I had with my wife yesterday. It's like this, for me, it's like, I got to feel the pain that you're feeling. Yeah. You know, like I know it. And it's like, I have to also be right there with you. And in a lot of ways, independently, I'm there in the same, same anyway. You know, I know you are. Um, and I was explaining this to her. It's not easy on my conscience, which means that like, we got to make this work. So we don't have you in this situation. But what I do know is this, if, and when we are successful and which is why I've been telling you guys, this may be a total failure and that scares the shit out of me. But weirdly, if it fails, it's gotta fail the way we want it to fail. Yeah. And, and I failed a lot in my life. And go, this is very similar to that situation you were talking about, which we can't talk about, but we were going through all the scenarios. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? All right. What's the worst thing? Yeah. I'm not going to die. You know? And it doesn't make that my fear go away. But in some way, this is unfortunately always the best version of me is when my back is against the wall and it's like, I got to make it fucking work. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, but I don't play well with the lead. That's that's something. I mean, what you're saying is like some version of it's exactly what I'm saying. Like my fear above all, like let me let me simplify what I'm saying. Yes, it's about my family. Yes, it's about like what I'm putting them through. But really what it boils down to is like if this blows up and it doesn't work and I didn't do everything I could have done and I have regrets about how we played it out, that's unforgivable because then I will have fucked my family over for nothing. Yes. If I don't fucking give it everything and we don't do everything we want to accomplish or at least try, then I will have uprooted them, torn them away from their families, put them into a 105 degree heat just like for nothing. And so that's my, my fear is just like, Chris, you 40 year old fuck, like, can you get up for this and just fucking do it? Can you, can you like overcome the 
guilt and say, you know what's going to make you feel even more guilty is if you don't fucking get off your ass and do it. Like, that's my, that's my fear. Simultaneously, you got to be a dad. And like, I don't know. I, I mean, like, so part of these are like just goals that we need because here's the difference. When we're all naked together, there is no margin of error. Like, we can fuck up, but failure is not an option. Like, we can fail. But there's a difference between failing because we did everything we were supposed to do. And we're, you know what I mean? Like I can embrace that and understanding full well that like, we don't know. I, I, I was trying to tell this to Noel yesterday. It's like, there's so many fucking amazing things that happen out of the ashes of failure. Because if we've done everything, I'm, I'm a believer that something else is going to happen. And that something else is going to happen out of necessity. You know? There's a lot of companies that started and then they had to fucking evolve because they had no choice, which is why I unfortunately live this life, you know, and I don't love it, but I know it's possible, but you don't know what's possible until you're at the fucking precipice. And I don't feel comfortable taking everybody there. I don't, but I do know that if we continue doing what we're doing, we're going to, it's just not going to work. So bet on yourself now, then fade out into, you know, oblivion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge fucking risk, financial risk that's being taken. The difference is, is I could also, this also weighs very heavily on me. I could raise money to do this. We have decided not to raise money because I know that if I raise money, for me, and I do know each and every one of you on the Momo, I mean the major Domo team, but I raised it for Momo, like I would not have been successful because I had no choice. Again, like at Sambar, if I had to sell drugs, I was going to sell drugs to fucking pay the bills. That's just the fucking truth. When you have no alternative, you find fucking alternatives. And if we have, I'm not saying that we won't find an investor and do all that stuff because they are at our doorstep right now. But that will just delay the inevitable if we don't have the foundation right. And I, I want all of us, and myself included, because it's a whole new endeavor, to appreciate everything that was built when it is great, when we do have all the resources at our disposal. Because if we don't, we're just going to delay the inevitable. Because I know, and you guys both know too, if we don't do this, it's just going to be in the middle. And it's comfortable in the middle. It's so comfortable in the middle. (laughs) And that's for me, like, I can't, I can't live there. Which is why I understand that is like allergic to a lot of people, including the people here in this room that I love so much. But the, the middle is always drawing you. And that's your baseline. For me, it's not even, it's so far left field. That's my baseline. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that. It's not even left the center. It's fucking in another stadium. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't make me feel good. Like, it's like, it's a decision that has to be made. The emotional toll of bootstrapping it versus the comforts of, like, having the investment. And I don't think you can build culture that way. And culture, to me, is so fucking important. And, like, how we do it. You know, and it doesn't, doesn't, all of this keeps me up at night. 
I did not sleep last night. <laughs> I slept zero hours last night. Because the work is about to begin. The studio is going to take, a, you know, we hope three months to finish. We're going to still do podcasts here. But, you know, we're going to move a lot of the podcasting there. We have a lot of products coming out. I mean, can we just say really quick, just to pull us out of the fucking crazy doldrums and, and swamp we've we've walked into, like, I'm like excited as hell about a bunch of the shit we're going to put out there. Like, I am legitimately excited about the ideas on the content side. I am excited about like the products we're working on. Like, I'm, I, if I wasn't excited about it, if I wasn't like, we are going to make cool things that are funny and entertaining and interesting. Mm -hmm. Then it would really be worthless. <laughs> like at oh, the end yeah. of the day, I am still just like a, a dumb twenty-two-year-old kid who like likes weird, like to make things that like make me laugh. So like, I, I I'm excited to do the stuff. I'm excited for the stuff to come out. I'm looking at you and I'm smiling <laughs> too. But no, I you know, <laughs> bringing this home in a in a very funny way. I we've only talked about the studio and we've only talked about the content from a a an extremely basic standpoint, right? Like, we haven't even gotten to the what we're actually making, why we're actually making all of that. And I think that, that to me, is the most exciting part about it. <laughs> there are exciting parts about this, too. I'm terrified, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but again, like, I, I, I've been so comfortable living in a state of terror that I have to remind myself that not, you guys don't, nobody wants to be. And, you know, I'm trying to change guys. <laughs> but I'm excited, but I'm also scared out of my mind. And I got to say, that's a thrilling proposition. All right. So is it safe to say that we are going to continue to just peel back the curtain as we start building this thing out? And I mean, telling people as it, like more and more as it happens and where they can find the stuff. Well, that, that's what I told you I wanted to do. And if you guys weren't here, you know I fucking <laughs> would have. I mean, we are we are days and weeks away from being more specific about some of the stuff, but like I also just want to talk. I think I think it'll be useful just to be honest about as we are building this out, as <laughs> hammers start being swung, as we start coming up with ideas and recording things, like we also like a huge thing of a huge ambition of ours is just to like reduce the lag time between when we make something in a studio anywhere in the world and the time it reaches you. Like Dave's ever-present dream is live that you just hear this live all the time <laughs> all the time everywhere and which we tried a little bit on the discord and i you know allayed some of my fears but like we want to just cut out the middle people i want things to be extremely everything. useful for people i'm tired of the bullshit you know the same way i feel about food media sort of with how i felt about restaurants back in 99 2000 i'm tired of the bullshit right and you can hear when we talk shit about like what's for turkey you know like no it's not that you need a new knife. First, let's teach people how to fucking sharpen your knife. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just, I'm a huge believer, not a surprise that there's a little podcast, like a, a pragmatic philosophy. And I, I want that to be the guiding force of, uh, of what we do here. Besides it being fun and in, innovative and just engaging in content that even if you don't give a shit about food, you can listen to or watch. But for me, all of it stems around as like for somebody else that's watching. Is it useful? Yeah, I'm excited about that as well. Feel better now? Yeah, I mean, never really feel better, but. <laughs> no, I do. Oh, yeah. I'm that's, just excited to talk. That was the least convincing oh, yeah, she's ever said. <laughs> no, 
I don't I don't like being secretive about the things that we're doing. And I think that there's been a number of different reasons why we haven't been able to talk about it up until this point. I feel like right. this I think has been months we and months like and months. We're going to announce that we signed a deal with Procter & Gamble to like create <laughs> We're, we're, we're going to have individual accounts on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. I mean, I'm going to be naked in front of everybody. Get us out of here. <laughs> Only if you're eating a rotisserie chicken. Oh, that's for my, in bed in a hotel. My, that's my private. After you peed on your tire or your, <laughs> or your car. Um, all right, um, give us five stars and uh, wish us all luck as we figure this shit out. And you guys will be uh, in real time seeing us discombobulated every step of the way. <laughs>